Hey, it's Darren from Bonfire. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This episode was recorded live on YouTube and Facebook. Head on over and you'll get the full Bonfire experience. Consider giving us a like and a subscribe. And when you do that, you help fuel more free content here on Bonfire Sports. Find everything you need, links and more, bonfiresports.ca. Now, enjoy the show. Let's get it going. Game day, Winnipeg. 8-0 Blue Bombers. 2-5 and five Montreal Alouettes as these two East and West Division rivals uh, begin a home-and-home home series on consecutive Thursdays. Welcome inside Bonfire Sports, everybody. Game day, Winnipeg, with the legend to my virtual right, Chris Walby. Bluto, do you see I'm wearing a toque today? Yeah, do you see I'm wearing a lucky hat today? Yeah, and you got the guns out, as always. Sun's out, guns uh, just- out. It's- Sun's out, and I, it's just one of those days you got to enjoy summer, man. It's going fast. It is. It is going fast. But do you know why I'm wearing a toque? Got a haircut. Because got a haircut. <laughs> this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team is ice cold going oh, into God. McMahon Stadium and playing as well as they did uh, following, you know, a bit of a shaky game in Edmonton the week before. Uh, things being quite different as far as uh, the way things went against Calgary uh, two weeks prior to that. They're beat, they're battered, they're bruised, they are tired, they have yet to have a bye week. This will be their 10th straight game in a row if you include the preseason. Uh, that's why I'm wearing a toque today. These Bombers are cold-blooded, man. Oh, that is such a nice little soliloquy. I swear to God, I can hardly wait for the TV show. Um, <laughs> Working man. on the screenplay. But you're Working right. On the you're right. No, listen, hey, listen, they keep surprising me. And I was one of those guys that I had doubts against Calgary. I thought, you know, this is the perfect opportunity. But we also said one thing. We said it would hurt Calgary more than it would hurt Winnipeg. Winnipeg came out and just had an outstanding performance. I mean, uh, Zach and Dalton, it's a new show, those two guys. We've talked about the relationship those two guys have had all year. Obviously, you know, I think they're both performers for the month for July. Yeah. I know Zach is for sure. Um, you just listen. Every time I think, you know, look at it. He had a kind of tough game. He only had seven completions or six completions against Edmonton. He still went last week, 22 or 30. Nice job again, 70-plus percent. And uh, you know what? Four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um he made it look easy against uh, what I thought was a pretty good defense, but he moved the ball. And, you know, obviously, uh, Calgary, I read the article by Bo Levi, who's, you know, very angry, but he says, you know what, we'll meet him in the playoffs. Uh, they do get a rematch in, I think, three weeks or two weeks from now after they bunch all back-to-backs. August 24th, um, yep. Yeah, but I, I, I just – yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't – there's no weaknesses. Remember when we talked at the beginning of the year, we started talking about Mark Leggett. We said we had a big issue. We had a kicker. You know, is this guy going to be good? I mean, you know, 90% on field goals. Yes, he's only 82% on extra points, but his punting has been phenomenal. He had yeah. like a 50-something yard average again uh, in Calgary. I mean, the kid is playing super, super good. So, I mean, all those naysayers, uh, listen, you got to take off. I'll leave Mr. Number 13 alone right now because he's doing the job. 
No, he is. And it has only missed two field goals so far this season, right? So yeah. that, that always yeah. helps. Uh, I understand the converts and that sort of thing, but you know, as uh, Zach Kolaris says, snap and clear, flush it and, and let it go. The Bombers have, have come out with victories in all of their games. So uh, no harm, no foul, as they say, um, missing some uh, extra points. Um, now, Chris, I want your opinion on this. Could this be a trap game, short week, travel from mountain time zone to eastern time zone? One practice this week in Winnipeg. Mike O'Shea yeah. spoke about how um, you know different this week is uh, in just the way that still lots of intensity, but just shorter bursts of it. Uh, yeah. Getting a little bit healthy with Jackson Jeffcoat returning to the lineup, but still no Greg Ellingson, still a, a bunch of guys on the six-game injured list. Montreal is hungry. Montreal is one game out of first place in the East. If there was ever a time to, to have Winnipeg yeah. ripe for the picking, wouldn't it be right now? Well, think about this too, right? I mean, they play Toronto. They miss a the last second field goal to lose that game. Uh, they had an opportunity last week. They pull, uh, you know, Trevor Harris with a supposed concussion or safety protocol. They put in the backup, uh, Dominic Davis, who throws one, one, one pass and an interception and that's the game over. They've had opportunities to win football games. Now, I know their owner, I think it's David Stern. I think it's, that's who it is. Yep. Montreal has predicted that he feels that, the you know, and he does a great job of, you know, of, uh, you know, getting him, the fans involved. He's really on Twitter, loves Twitter. Yes, uh, he does. About how he feels that, you know, the Alouettes are at that stage where they can knock off the defending champs of Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Can he do it? Uh, you know what? If Trevor Harris can play the game, and they got some, listen, they got some talent here, buddy. Uh, that uh, Eugene Lewis, some of the catches this kid is making a wide receiver for them is they're just outstanding. I mean, he's awesome. It surprises me. Jake Winnicky had like 10 touchdowns last year, zero touchdowns this year. When is his breakout going to be? You know what I mean? So they yeah. got Mayala. They got some guys. Uh, I think they missed Stanback. Uh, obviously, William Stanback, the outstanding uh, you know running back from Montreal, still not in the lineup. Yeah, but hurt they, like for, first, you know, first uh, half of the first game of yeah, the season. It's yeah, really yeah. tough. East Division MOP nominee, right? Yeah, and then you look at, uh, you know, they got Jeshu uh, uh, Antwi. And, I mean, he's got the longest run of the year and 70 yards, which I was very surprised. He's averaging 6.6 .6 yards to carry. But there, this is an offensive line that's had some issues. They gave up five sacks last week to to Hamilton. Uh, they get pressure. Now you got Jackson Jeffcoat back there. You know, he's he's hungry. Mr. Nine sack last year. Uh, seven tackles, missed about, what, three games, I believe? Uh, so he's, you know, really looking forward to get back and and making an impact in a game. So I, he's only going to increase, you know, the value of of what the pressure of that, that uh, defensive line can get on, on uh, Trevor Harris. So, yeah, now I've kind of went in a roundabout way to answer your question, Gibby. Do I think it could be? Yeah, you know what? You, you don't like to think that. Like, if I was betting, man, i put my money on Winnipeg. There's no doubt. Because, I mean, just looking at the record. But then I would look at some of the intangibles, like I mentioned, the close games they did lose, the way they do, you know, the way they lost. There is potential. And it's at home in Montreal. They're one and one at home. Um, You know, they're only one and three versus the West. But there is potential for them to do something. I mean, would I be surprised? Yes, probably. But can it happen? Hey, anything can happen on any given Sunday. Ooh, he liked it. Any given Sunday, brother. There you Ooh. go. Yeah, but it's going to be Thursday night uh, at Percival Molson oh, so, in Montreal. See, now that, okay, so you talk about your toque, and I'm talking about any given Sunday. It's a, 
It's a lie. Friday Night Lights. Okay, there you go. But it's not Friday. <laughs> well, I like so, uh, this comment from Larry Ward, who's watching live on YouTube. When we lose the games we think we should win, that's a trap game. Absolutely. Should Winnipeg win this game? Do they think they're going to win this game? They're eight. No, of course you do. Yeah, I, I think they listen. They just there's not a weakness on this team. I mean, I thought maybe they'd miss something with Malcolm Thompson out of safety and Nick Halley getting a start. But played I mean, well. he had like six or seven tackles. He had he did yep. play a nice job. Came up with a couple of big hits. Uh, yeah, I think he really earned his keep last week. So yeah, it's it's just hard for me when I break it down by position that I think that the uh, the Bombers. You know, I just can't see that. Yeah, you're right. There's the one thing you hit me on the head with, and that was. Only one practice. That is tough. I mean, you just go in there. Basically, the offense is going to do what they do. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. Because they go into the game. Every game they go into, you run about four, five or six plays to kind of figure out what the defense is going to give you. So they'll have an idea of what the Montreal defense, uh, Noel Thorpe, the uh, uh, defense quarter is going to throw at them. But, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I tell you. They, is this the time they could? Absolutely, because of that, because of that one aspect, and because of the fact, as you say, they're beat up. I mean, yeah, they're you know they're they're, they're all playing, but they're you know they're nicked up. They're short week. They haven't had a buy yet, which is just is stupid. Yeah, I, I don't understand how they did that. I and mean, BC's had like almost all theirs already, and Winnipeg doesn't get one for another. I think three four weeks yet. End of August, I believe they get the first buy, and then they got three in the end of the year. Well, maybe that's going to help bringing some guys back, like maybe Brandon Alexander, or are they going? You know, obviously they're not rushing them back because of the play of the guys they got playing at safety. So they have such depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not forcing anybody back. We talked last week about Nick Dembski, the X Factor. You know what he's going to bring what to a the game. Op- Boom, right there, two touch. You look at Brady Oliveira, 120 yards rushing. Yep. That old line, no, no sacks against. Mind you, there was no sacks, no interceptions. A clean game by Very. both teams. Uh, even the penalties were good. So, all right, that was my my thing. <laughs> well, and, and I do want to tell people that uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to hear from Joey Alfieri of the Montreal Alouettes, get some details on a year of real change yes. in Montreal and, uh, you know, talk about some of the talented players they're getting back in their lineup as well as the ones that have been contributing uh, all season, including some thoughts on Gino Lewis. Um, we are going to hear from Blue Bombers offensive coordinator Buck Pierce in a few minutes, as well as Willie Jefferson. I asked Dalton Schoen about how tired the team is, but Chris, you mentioned um, that one practice this week. Uh, let's hear from the head coach, Mike O'Shea, on just having one session here in Winnipeg to prepare for Thursday's game in Montreal. Goes into a week like this where... Um, you're not able to maybe practice as much uh, as other weeks. I mean, the players have a great understanding of what they're doing. Um, we've been in this situation before. I think you rely on your, you know, your prep um, from previous weeks. You rely on your fitness level that you've been maintaining for, uh, you know, since you forget before you got to training camp. So um, really it's a, you know, take his take great care with your bodies. Make sure you're well rested. Make sure you're putting the right things in your body, and just make sure you're physically ready to go. A lot has been said about this uh, stretch of three road games and and the buys and the rest. But uh, is this kind of a, a dig deep time for the team? I don't think so. Um, 
once again, I think the guys have a great understanding of how to handle a, a pile of different situations. They've been, they've been building this for a number of years, right? Um, so it just kind of rolls along. I don't, I'm not sure that it's, uh, I, you know, digging deeper than any other week, right? You gotta, if you don't play your best, somebody's gonna beat you no matter what. So, um, Buys, time off, days off, all that stuff doesn't uh, doesn't really enter into a lot of discussion. There's the head coach, Mike O'Shea, following their only practice this week uh, prior to the game in Montreal. Chris, steady ship as she goes. Mike O'Shea not saying this game is any different uh, than any other this season, which is really the mantra. Uh, but when you have a short week and you have a travel and um, guys are clearly – you know, tired physically and probably mentally as well. Uh, what goes into ensuring your body is in the right shape to play a football game just five days after you went to war in Calgary? I just think it's so different the way they do it. And I think O'Shea should be getting a lot of credit for the way he treats his players. There's no way they're, they're just doing walkthrough. I mean, it's a walkthrough. Now they get the guys in the ice tubs. That's, that's the biggest thing. He hit it on the head when he said this, but what you put in your body, drink a lot of fluids. And I'm talking water. I'm talking, we really get you, you know, whatever they got to do to get themselves re-energized. But having said that, uh, yeah, you know, he's not beating them up. In the old days, you'd come back, you'd do your run. And, you know, we'd still have full practice before even on a short week. Nowadays, I think it's way smarter. Safety protocols are phenomenal. Uh, you let these guys get rest, even though I'll be at a short time. And you hope, and he said on the head. As long as you play well, you got a chance to win. But if you don't show up, and it doesn't matter. And we've seen mm -hmm. this with any other team in any kind of league. Uh, you know, we want to talk to Jets sometimes, you know, and they're supposed to beat somebody. They get there, and they just have a, a slow game. They don't get going, and somebody picks up. And maybe Montreal starts the game off, when, you know, and they start doing some things really well. Now you got to make sure that Winnipeg wakes up. Granted, the Bombers are a great second-half team. Uh, but having said that, uh, I'm, I've always liked Trevor Harris. I think he's a heck of a quarterback. I think he's smart. I like what they have offensively. So, to me, I think it'll be a good game. I just think sometimes I get influenced by the record, 2-5, and five, and the mistakes they've made at crucial times that have just killed that team. Penalties. I mean, they're the second most penalized team in the league. Uh, over 700 yards, almost a penalty yards. It's just ridiculous. I mean, and I know that, um, you know, with Danny Machocho got rid of Kahari Jones, who quickly went to Hamilton. Uh, he said the big one of the big problems was discipline. And the first game he coached, they had 190 yards of penalty. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading the article, it's not all Kahari's fault. And it's never one player's fault. You know what? It's like I said before, you can have about 20 stars, but if the stars don't play together, if you don't have chemistry, you're not going to win football games. You've got to create that culture, that chemistry. And that's one thing the Bombers have done. They have such a great, well-rounded group of veterans that they understand what they have to do. And the young guys coming in are right there learning, you know, drinking from the Kool-Aid bottle of the veterans. Well, you need to do that, right? Like the young players need to learn from the veteran players, yes. as you mentioned, Chris. And Michael Shea even talks about that, how, you know, he's kind of hands off in the locker room, letting yep. the veterans govern the young players. FIFO, right? Fit in or figure yeah. it out. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty of good. Course, but 
Yeah, but uh, hey, want to welcome everybody who joined us from Winnipeg Sports Talk. This is Game Day Winnipeg, the legend Chris Walby to your virtual left and my virtual right, uh, the greatest offensive lineman to ever play the game. North Winnipeg zone, Chris Walby, uh, getting you set for Bombers Alouettes and uh, bringing that perfect 8-0 record into Montreal on Thursday night. We're going to hear from offensive coordinator Buck Pierce, Dalton Schoen, fresh off uh, being named a top performer this week, uh, as well as a top performer for the month of July. Uh, we'll hear from Willie Jefferson uh, as well on the program and my conversation with Joey Alfieri of the Montreal Alouettes uh, to get a perspective from Montreal. Jackson Jeffcoat back into the lineup, Chris, after missing three games. A huge addition to the Winnipeg defense. No longer. Can the defense just focus on Willie Jefferson on one side? You got another all-star on the other bookend uh, in number 94, who, for my money, might be playing just as well as Willie is these days. And I have to give to, I'm not sure who made the comment, and God bless these guys that are in here on the on the line with us because they corrected me. I thought it was three games, too, and they said, no, he played in the first Calgary game, so he's only missed two weeks. So right on. I mean, that's the way to stay on top of it. And, hey, listen. Sometimes you get a big like me, and he's a slap on the head to wake up and make sure you get the right thing. So thanks for you know giving me the right information. Peace. Yeah, I know it's it's three games for um, uh, Greg Ellingson, and and That's he's right. still yeah. uh, out. Uh, also interesting this week, Chris. Um, starting safety Malcolm Thompson, the Canadian. Uh, yeah. yeah. Practice day one before the game in Calgary and then did not practice again. So it, it appears he suffered an injury in practice. He was on the one-game injured list last week. He's now on the six-game injured list, leaving Ellingson as the only player on the one game. So uh, not good news there as far as another defensive player going down and, and landing on the six game. No update as of yet. People are asking me every day, when yeah. is Brandon Alexander going to be ready to return? No word, no indication. Um, don't hold your breath. Uh, there's no reason to rush him back. They need him healthy for the playoffs. Um, Nick, he's going to have a hard time saying that. Because I'll tell you one thing, when you're missing this much action, it takes a while to get not only your game, your game speed back up, uh, but just your reaction skills. To seeing everything again. Once you've been playing, and he was an all-star last year, he saw everything in front of him. Everything was slowing down. They call it like slowing down. You can see things before they happen. You, you have great anticipation. You can break on plays. All of a sudden, you haven't played for seven, eight, week, whatever it's going to be. There's going to be an adjustment period for Brandon Alexander. Don't expect him to come back and just be the first, you know, like he was. He's going to have, it's going to take a couple of games to get his feet under him. That's my belief from from the experience of coming off or seeing anybody that's been off the, out of the lineup for a number of, uh, a number of games. Uh, one of the key matchups I'm looking towards on Thursday night, Chris, is Geno Lewis at wide receiver against Demario Houston or Dietrich Nichols. They will be on that side of the field. Gino will come into slot back. It could be Dietrich Nichols. It could be Demario Houston. Dietrich Nichols, for my money, could be and is the best defensive back in the CFL this season. They just don't throw to him. Bo no. threw to him a little bit, but you know, few quarterbacks have uh, the cojones that, that Bo does in, in putting uh, footballs into dangerous areas. Um, up against Geno Lewis, who I feel strongly 
is the best receiver in the CFL today. We know Trevor Harris can throw the lights out. He is often a 350, 400-yard passer. That's a huge, huge area I look for. And when Winnipeg is down to their third-string safety, all due respect to Nick Hallett, but it was Brandon Alexander, then Malcolm Thompson, now Nick Hallett there. Uh, They're going to need his help uh, over the top if Geno continues to be as dominant as he has been so far this season. Yeah, he had five tackles last week. Nick Hellett did. I thought he played very well. Came up and uh, supported the run defense as well. I thought he was in the right place at the right time. Uh, it'll be very interesting to watch how he plays again against these guys. As you mentioned, it's not just Geno Lewis. Well, I do agree with you on that. I think he's one of the most – He's if he's not the top, he's one of the two top receivers in the league. But you got Reggie White Jr. You got uh, Jake Winnick, who I talked about last year having almost 10 touchdowns. You got Julian uh, Grant. I mean, they've got uh, Herjima Jala. They got Tyson Philpop. Uh, they got some, the big yeah. thing you're going to mention. And you hit it up the top of the head. We didn't talk about, it, but they lost one guy that I think is a real key, and that is field position guy, and that is Chandler Worthy. Huge. Uh, here's the guy that was leading the league in, in punt return and kickoff returns. He got two touchdowns and kickoff returns. He was giving them excellent starting field position. Now they're going to go with a newcomer named Warren Newman out of uh, Jackson State. First start for the young man. So we'll see what he does. Uh, He's always a little speedster uh, to be back there. Uh, But, yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think Janarian Grant on the other side obviously leads the CFL in kickoff return yardage or or average at 30 yards a return. Uh, he's getting it done there uh, at, on the kickoff return team. So the special teams for the Bombers have been outstanding, both on cover and on blocking for punt and kickoff return. So, yeah, uh, it's just another one of those things where I got to go. If I got to go special teams, I got to give a check. Bombers. I go to the O-line, check. Bombers. I go D-line, I still got to give check to the Bombers. Linebackers, yeah, Jeff well, go back, yeah. Jeff um, go back, I got to go. I mean, I, I there's not probably anywhere that I'm going to give that I'm not, I I'd love to give a check mark to the uh, Montreal LOS, but I just don't know where I'm going to do it. So no, it's tough. You know, we, we know how good the Winnipeg blue bombers are. They go into this game, as you'll see in the ticker below uh, five and a half point favorites in Montreal. So two touchdowns wins um, a point spread bet on that. And uh, have to mention our, we are an affiliate of sports interaction. So if you use this link that you see on your screen right now, sia.com slash bonfire, sign up, get a bonus. Uh, You'll help support us here on the channel. We really appreciate that. Uh, And they've got some great uh, prop bets for the CFL as well. I might've just put a little sprinkle on, you know, the 64 to one long shot, if you want to call it that, the Blue Bombers going undefeated in the regular season. So a chance to, uh, you know, take a shot there. You can also bet on them uh, to uh, win their third straight Grey Cup. SIA.com slash bonfire. Go check it out and sign up there. Um, But the five and a half point favorites, Chris, is an interesting one because when you look at Chandler Worthy and how explosive he has been and now being out of the lineup for Montreal – to me, that would have been, um, you know, like a game X factor when you look at a likely result and score. But you take Chandler Worthy out. Mario Elford, who was their outstanding kick returner for the last couple of seasons in Montreal, they released him because Worthy was so good. He's now with yep. Saskatchewan. You take that all out, I think a two-touchdown win for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is 
probably, I would call that a likelihood. Um, the short week, the travel, the rest, I understand that will be a thing. But as people have even mentioned in the live chat, 1-0 and every week. If you think Winnipeg is going to win Thursday night, you got to think they win by at least two touchdowns against an Alouettes team that, you know, ha hasn't really shown any consistency this season. Well, you hit it on the head. I mean, that's that's very well put. And I, I will say this one one comment that I was going to get to, uh, not to beat it to death, but Warren Newman, the new kid out of Jackson State, great comment. I think it was Tyler put it in there. Uh, what he was talking about is anybody is coached by prime time, uh, who's the head coach of Jackson State. Dion you know, Sanders. This kid is probably uh, yeah. So he's probably pretty uh, pretty talented kid. So be very interested to see what he does. Uh, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I, here's another matchup that I think I think Dalton Schoen or Nick Dembski, the two slot backs, I believe are going to have a crazy game. They're going to be going against uh, Najee Murray, who coincidentally was one of the best friends with Tommy uh, with uh, Tommy with Zach Kolaris. Tommy Zach Kolaris, yeah. Yeah. And then the other guy that had a really rough game a couple of games ago, Wesley Sutton, who I'm surprised, three PIs in that one game that cost him the football game. I see this two slopbacks having a big game against those two guys. Yeah. And I shouldn't say Najee Murray because they like Najee. And he's not really, you know, he's got, uh, he's got four pass knockdowns, 25 tackles. He's doing a good job. But I just think Wesley has a propensity to take the PIs, uh, grab the cloth when he's worried about getting beat. And, uh, Boy, once you get a couple of PIs, it's like getting a holding penny in O-line. They start looking for you. They look for your number. And maybe the really tight ones you get called against now because of that. A good opportunity here from Blue Bombers offensive coordinator, Buck Pierce. Things started to get rolling, especially with the run game in Calgary. But uh, I asked the uh, OC here in Winnipeg a couple questions this week. Half of your schedule uh, behind you or in the books uh, in, in just a matter of two days. How impressive is it, or have you ever seen uh, a receiver in his first year of pro football play like the way he does? And how stabilizing has that been with, you know, some of the injuries your receivers have gone through? Yeah, I mean, you know, Dalton right away from camp, you could tell there was something about him, even as, uh, you know, college tape, some of his NFL work. Um, you know, we were excited to get him here into the building. And, uh, you know, guy took every rep at camp, you know, played multiple spots, uh, you know, showed up in shape. Um, you know, hasn't hasn't missed a beat. Uh, you know, very high football IQ. He's getting you know better and better each week. It was just understanding you know the CFL game, right, and understanding how to play the receiver position. Um, you know, so so that's been awesome to see. Uh, you know, also you know with with Dalton, um, you know, he's able to you know, give us you know some flexibility as well. You know, when you have a guy that can do multiple things. And, and uh, you know, move around here and there, you know, it, it opens everybody else up as well, right? So, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, he does well for us. And, and you know, we're continuing to, you know, learn more about each other and, uh, you know, hopefully get better each week. But, but he's, uh, he's been a very, uh, you know, good pro in, in, you know, what's been his rookie season in the, in the CFL. And, you know, I think that's the, that's the most impressive thing is he, he's, he works hard, you know, he, he's humble and, and uh, he's excited about the process and he loves playing, you know, with the guys. 
Tell me what uh, what goes into facing the Montreal Alouettes defense, a uh, team that um, you know moved on from their defensive coordinator just a few weeks ago. Does that add a wrinkle to game planning for a team? Tough for the layman, you know, us on the outside to you know see if there's huge differences in that Alouettes defense. But does that pose a bit of a challenge, or or are they kind of playing the the same system that they have all season? Uh, well, you, you know, I think every every you know first time you play a team. You know, it's the first go back to back, and, and you know we've seen them on tape. But you know, every every team plays you a little bit different. You know, so there's always a little bit of that every week. Um, but then you look at you know what they're doing, you know, defensively. Um, you know, the one thing I'll tell you about a Northorpe defense is they're going to play hard. You know, they're going to be physical. You know, they're going to want to get after the quarterback. Um, you know, they they pride themselves on on the physicality up front. And you know, like I told the guys today, you know. We gotta go out there and you know be ready to you know play one of our most physical games of the season. Um, so you know we know we know those things about about them. Um, you know and 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 I'm sure he's you know continuing to learn his personnel over there and and you know what they want to be. So you know we we got to be prepared. Um, you know worry about our focus, our execution, and and how we handle ourselves and and just trying to go out there and play a clean game like we did last week. There's Blue Bombers offensive coordinator Buck Pierce speaking uh, to the media just a couple days ago in their only practice here in Winnipeg, Chris. Uh, did talk about Dalton Schoen, and, and we will definitely talk about him uh, as the show goes on, but um, in Montreal, they didn't just fire head coach Kahari Jones. They also released defensive coordinator Baron Miles. So, you know, longtime defensive coach in the CFL, Noel Thorpe, takes over that has to be a challenge do you remember similar instances in your playing career chris where you faced a team they started the season with one style of defense then you know coaching changes happen or or you know that sort of thing probably tough to game plan and film study on the alouettes right now well it's funny you talk about the alouettes because i remember we were in the airport going to play montreal and the team folded so we were in the airport so it was a huge change there Wow. Right? Then, they came, then they came back as the Concords, then they went back to the Alouettes. So, yeah, there's always been a change. Uh, but having said that, Noel Thorpe, and, and that's a great point, too, he brought up, because Noel Thorpe is, a, you know, he's a veteran defensive coordinator. He's been around a long time. He's worked with Danny Machocho before. They have a great relationship. But you usually find that when a coach takes over, he'll usually bring people he's very familiar with or understands what they're trying to, you know, uh, orchestrate as far as offense or defense. So Noel Thorpe's huge. Uh, I, and I think the biggest, another big change is obviously the fact that you got now, uh, you know, the, one of the greatest throwers, he, I think he's the all-time anywhere leading passer, and Anthony Caville is the offensive coordinator now. So yeah. he's he's got, the, I think it's the third game under his belt now. So, again, yeah, it's a process, DB. It's a process of getting the players to understand what system you're trying to implement and to, and to understand why and know your position. And so that's a big thing. It's almost like training camp for these guys when you get a new coach. Uh, that's why I think that their uh, their owner David Stern is very excited because I think he figures, you know what, they got a great opportunity now. They're starting to get familiar with what they're asking on, on their positions, and uh, we'll see what they come out with uh, tomorrow night in Montreal. Well, it's uh, you know it's a chance for the Alouettes and and you know uh, David Stern, their their head coach, or pardon me, their their owner, to to put his fingerprints and, and his stamp 
uh, on the team. Uh, but when it comes to Winnipeg's offense versus this Montreal defense, uh, Canadian defensive back and linebacker Chris Aki returns to the lineup. Avery Ellis, their outstanding defensive end, is out this week. Mike Moore moves from tackle to defensive end, so there'll be some changes there. Um, but maybe most important in looking at Winnipeg's offense versus Montreal's defense is how suddenly Brady Oliveira is a 100-yard rusher, 110 yards, averaging over seven yards per carry in Calgary. That's not an easy task. You'd think he would do that against a weaker team, not the Calgary Stampeders, but something changed, and Brady got it going. Winnipeg's offense got it going. This is suddenly a much more dangerous offense when the run game is, is on. Well, and they weren't living straight up the middle anymore either. We're not doing the fancy, you know, zone blocking. I mean, yeah, they may do a lot of that. They do some other combination blocks. I thought they did some really nice double teams. Uh, but they almost they were doing some uh, guard tackle runs, which I love. I mean, get the big mm -hmm. boys involved, get Stanley and and Jamarcus involved in the blocking, and you know one on one. Listen, with Mike Moore, Mike Moore's a defensive tackle. He's a defensive tackle for a reason. Now they move him defensive end. I'm running at him right now. Mm. I'm, that, that's what I'm going after. I'm running that side right now. Promise you. But uh, and that's no fact. Uh, he's just not an end. I don't think he's an end. I think it's an emergency to move him out there. Probably the best they have. Maybe you're going to see somebody else. I know they got another guy by the name of Isaiah Gay, and then uh, they got that Brock Guanlock, but he's a Canadian too, and he has Manitoba played. Bison. That's yes. I was going to write that down, but anyway, yeah. So I mean, there's just certain things I think you have to look at. And I remember when we played guys. If we knew we had a weak spot to attack on the line, much like they do. They move Willie Jefferson, the Bombers, all over to try and find a weak spot there so he can get penetration or get his hands up. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, if I'm running the ball, I'm definitely running at Mike. But then again, I love the way that uh, you did Brady answered the critics. Good for him, man. Good for him. And they ran the ball. They, you know, that's a huge thing. A ballast attack. They ran the ball 22 times, averaging 7.3 yards a carry. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's about as good as you can get, man. Um so, well, I mean, what did you think? What did you think of Dakota Prukup coming in? Uh, man, he is dangerous. Zach Kolaris called him a beast after yeah, the a, game. What a, what a nice a, dynamic he brings. You know what? He reminds me, and, and and when I look at Montreal too, Dominic Davis. See, they, both guys don't really get the opportunity to throw the ball very often, but they all are short yardage guys. Dominic Davis is another big lad that gets a lot of touchdowns on. I'm thinking leads the league one game, but Prukup is a horse. You're right about it, man. I, I think we're. I, I don't know how many times in a year I don't have the stat that we've been stuck. Oh, I think we have two turnover and downs. And I believe one was with Drew Brown. I don't think anywhere with Dakota Prukop. So right. uh, just tell you his value in short yardage situations. Uh, some people asking if uh, Johnny Augustine is injured. He's on the injury report, but he is in the lineup for Thursday uh, yeah. against the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, the only real change to the injured list uh, is Jackson Jeffco coming off. He will start at defensive end opposite Willie Jefferson, of course, uh, and starting safety Malcolm Thompson, uh, seemingly injured in practice uh, a couple weeks ago, moves from the one game to the six game injured list uh, with a calf injury. Uh, so no updates right now on when Greg Ellingson could be available, Brandon Alexander, so many of those other guys uh, on the Blue Bomber six-game injured list. But um, I'm sure people, uh, somebody in the live chat today calling him Johnny Magic uh, and unfortunate that, uh, you know, he can't get a little bit more work. Uh, yeah, there it is. It's John uh, in the live chat saying, uh, hardly used. Uh, he'd want to be on a team that uh, 
uses him more than the Bombers do. Well, he decided to sign a two-year contract yep. extension. Uh, Augustine did, along with Brady Oliveira. They're two very close friends. Uh, they want to be on this team together. And they know it's probably going to take two of them um, at one of the most battered wow. positions in pro football, Chris, right? Like, you might yeah. need both of them. Well, it was interesting. He didn't carry the ball once last week against Calgary. He did not carry the ball once. And I thought, okay, for me, there's got to be a reason. He's an emergency, obviously. And if they don't have to use him, that's just my feeling. He's probably banged up a bit. And they said, you know what? The way Brady's running the football, we don't have to you know, incorporate. We give Johnny a rest. I don't know if Johnny's on many special teams. I don't think he is. Uh, mm, but anyway, I think he might be. I think he might be. Well, then he's only doing that because obviously I was surprised. I was actually surprised he didn't get any carries. But that just tells me in my own in my own thinking that he probably is banged up a little bit. And they were just going to go with Brady. And, and Brady answered the, answered the bell. 15 carries, 110 yards. Nice average. Uh, long of 31. Uh, and he seemed to just be running a full speed, breaking tackles now and, you know, mm -hmm. running straight ahead, not stutter stepping, trying to find the hole, just going to where the hole is right now. And that's what good backs do. And I, we always said this, maybe it was going to take some time. Yeah. I don't know. It's been eight games, but maybe it's going to get some time where they work together. And that's the O line and the, you know, uh, whether Mike Miller's in a fullback or, uh, you know, just the old line and Brady, whoever is running the football, it's just getting continuity with those guys, understanding how they like to block, seeing in the hole and believing in the hole. That's a big thing, believing in the hole. Don't, you know, sometimes your eyes can fool you and your eyes are shifting all over, but the hole is there. If it's between guard and tackle, that's where you go. If it's between guard and center, you go there. Sometimes backs have a tendency to get that, what I call eyes that chase bees. They're all over the place and they don't even know where they're going, man. So then it well, usually it's. Very likely a confidence-building game for Brady Oliveira. Uh, St. McColl uh, in the live chat says, Prukop's ability to run inside and outside on short yardage is yeah. the difference. Of course, he, he has the ability to throw. Uh, new rule in the CFL this year. You can have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. Maybe you sneak one of those guys in. You like flip Prukop in for like Drew Wolitarski on the far side of the field. You might yeah. be able to sneak something in there and do some trickery. But Chris, did you notice that moment in the game in Calgary where the Stampeders didn't even seem to realize Dakota Prukop stayed in the game on first down? They really caught them off guard there. That's yeah. the benefit, the the, the kind of Chris Strebelerism uh, in the Buck Pierce offense that you can keep your short yardage quarterback in um, and catch a defense off guard. Well, usually the way you catch them off guard, though, DB, is you go hurry up offense. Because if they huddle up, they give a chance for the defense to change their personnel depending who the quarterback is. The fact that you, they go hurry up, they just got to line up. And then, you know, like you said, Prukop takes off, does a nice job. Uh, he runs the ball extremely hard, uh, and, and he's got a great arm. We saw last year on, I believe, a second and something, and he threw a deep ball for a touchdown. Uh, so he can get it done. Uh, does he want to play more? Yeah, but you know what? This whole team, this is a team that's the most unselfish that I've ever seen. I mean, the guys, you always want to play. You want to be the guy, but they love to play for each other. They love the fact they're winning 8-0. They're loving the fact they got a great shot of getting another dang ring. Whoo, baby. They're going to have to go get it. I hope they got these. They must have these jewelers on call on short dial. <laughs> yeah, that, that is that is very likely uh, with, with the way they're playing right now, looking for three straight. Uh, Rashid Bailey is somebody, Chris, who has been getting a little bit of criticism because his offensive numbers maybe aren't where many people expected them to be. Uh, listening to Mike, uh, head coach Mike O'Shea following the win in Calgary, Bailey 
talking about Bailey doing all of those other things right, uh, Zach Kolaris mentioning how they ask the receivers to do a lot. They have a lot of responsibility in the run game and even blocking in the pass game. And that Rashid Bailey, uh, one play in particular, I think it was on um, on the Janarian Grant jet sweep. He had his man and pushed him way downfield, uh, you know, getting the job done. Uh, so it's not just Dalton Schoen putting up the big numbers. It's not just Nick Dembski pulling in two touchdowns in the first half last week. Everybody is contributing. Even a Drew Wolitarski with a key second down conversion last week. Yeah, they're all contributing. I mean, they got so many talents. He threw to three, six different receivers. Kalars did. Um, you know, it's just they just have so much talent offensively. And, and when you start, I mean, this is a, a team that we really talked about defensively. Always defense wins championships. Um, but this, the way the Bombers' offense uh, orchestrated against a very good Calgary team was uh, was just poetry to watch. Yeah, uh, just move the ball at will, seemingly at times with no pressure. And even when they did get a little pressure on Zach, he just kind of skirted around and threw and found somebody wide open. That's a great relationship he has with his receivers. And that usually takes a time to build, but they just seem to have the chemistry right now. Nick Dembski didn't look like he missed a beat. We were talking last week. I wonder if they rushed him back. Well, I stand corrected. They should rush him no back. No kidding. I mean, I mean seriously, well, he, did. he had a great game. I mean, obviously. He, nice he really game. did. He, he looked fresh. And for somebody, you know, that didn't seemingly practice yep. for those four weeks he was off. But uh, now Winnipeg has lost one of its early six-game activations. Each team gets two per season. They pulled Nick Dembski off the six game early. He is a high salary player, so uh, they will get benefit um, uh, or there was benefit of, of having him on there, but coming off early, they'll only be able to activate one other player uh, early this season. Um, speaking uh, of uh, some of those things we just touched on, Chris, good time to hear from Blue Bombers defensive end, Willie Jefferson. Uh, I asked him right off the top uh, just how good it felt to go into Calgary and beat Bo Levi Mitchell and the Calgary Stampeders, a team that is undefeated in games following a bye at home yes. with Bo Levi as their quarterback. Willie, how are you feeling? I'm good. Ready to, ready to fly to Montreal in the morning. I know you guys are on to Montreal and, and you want to get to 1-0, and but um, looking back to last week, if we could, um, beating Calgary – in McMahon, them coming off a bye and, and never having lost coming off a bye with Bo Levi as their starter. Um, everybody talking about it being the, the heavyweight bout of the season. I, I know your goal is still months away, but how good did it feel to win that game? It felt, it felt really good. You know, uh, not too many teams have the opportunity to go into, go into that stadium and win especially you know like you said after a bye week with Bo and things like that so it, it was it was like the odds were kind of really stacked up against us but you know this season man we we have a really good team you know we have we have a really good defense we got a, a an explosive offense and and we are and we are trying to get it to where we're playing together all three phases for the whole game and not just the second half and I feel uh playing against Calgary the way we played them, the time we played them, you know, everything, like how everything stacked up, I feel like that was a great game for us. You know, we were banged up. You know, we got some guys hurt, and we still went up in there and, and handled business. Like, it was it was a tight game uh, till the fourth quarter, and then, you know, uh, our offense 
uh, did what they had to do, and 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 the defense came up with some stops, and we we came out with a win. So you know, uh, like I said, well, like you said, you know, them being the, as tough as they are at home, and us being the team that we are right now in the middle of the season, you know, battle for number one in the West, and we know uh, pretty much everything is harder in the West. So it was a good game. We we uh we got what three weeks until we see them again here at home. And, It'll be a, it'll be another uh, tough test then. Can't wait. Appreciate it, Willie. Travel safe. Appreciate you. Thank you. Willie Jefferson uh, talking about how good it felt to beat Calgary in McMahon Stadium last week, Chris. And like, here's the reality: this Blue Bombers team is so locked into being one and zero every week, focused on their goal. The weekly goal being a win, and the upcoming game, their overall goal to hoist the Grey Cup in late November. But when you beat a team like Calgary, win the season series, um, you know, I, I do the best I can, admittedly, I do the best I can uh, to get some, um, you know, uh, candidness from these players. Willie Jefferson, not afraid to uh, state uh, what to me is obvious. That is, it must have felt really, really good to beat Bo twice. Well, you know, it's funny you talk about Willie and I'll talk about the equipment manager, Brad Foddy, who I called last week and said, hey, Brad, I need a favor. I said, by the way, man, uh, you guys look like really good to get a three-peat. And he goes, and he, and his first quote to me was, 1-0, Walby, 1-0. That's thought, the equipment even, guy. Even, wow. even the mantra of the equipment guy. Oh, okay, that's mine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you very, made me nervous there. Very sensitive. Yes. Well, I, you've been sensitive your whole life, just not physically on the football field. No, I'm a sensitive guy. I love everybody. You, you are. Well, that's why you get all the ladies, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there, man. <laughs> no, we won't We won't go there. We'll leave that for game day after dark. Of course, be sure to join us for game day after dark, immediately following Bombers Alouettes uh, on Thursday night. Uh, still to come, uh, Joey Alfieri of the Montreal Alouettes will join us. We'll check in on the latest uh, in La Belle Provence. Uh, but, um, you know, here in Winnipeg, uh, I see uh, the most pressing thing right now um, for the Blue Bombers is um, continuing to have that continuity on offense. Uh, Dalton Schoen has been a revelation, Chris. Um, yes. So impressive as a first-year pro. I understand he's been in NFL facilities and he, you know, he's been in the NFL and uh, that sort of thing, but never played in any pro games. Was uh, you know uh, on the practice roster on the scout team at Kansas State for two full years before he got an opportunity um, and then really elevated himself to being a draftable player. Went undrafted in the NFL, signed with his hometown Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he's from just south of there in Overland Park. Um, but getting opportunities from seemingly being overlooked. Uh, and here he is making the loss of Carlton Agadosi, making the loss of Nick Dembski for four weeks, making the loss of Greg Ellingson now for a third straight game. Much more digestible for the Blue Bombers. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at Dalton, what he's done, I mean, we all thought he might be a special player just of how he played in preseason. I mean, right now he's number one receiver in CFL, 583 yards, five catches over 30. He has the longest touchdown in the CFL as, as a pass. Uh, he's He's got uh, 17 second down conversions. 
that tells me who the go-to guy is for Zach when they need it, right? And I tell you right now, he's number one in CFL in that as well. So he's got everything going for him right now, and he's probably blessed that he didn't play a game because if he would have played a game in the NFL, he would not be eligible to be up for a rookie of the year. Right now, he's definitely one of the front runners. I mean, you're looking at a number of, of, of front runners who could be uh, getting the awards at end of the season. But uh, right now, just the way he's playing, we've talked about Dalton. It's very unusual, and I think people have to understand, it's very unusual for a receiver to come in and develop that type of chemistry that quickly with a quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's what he has right now. We've talked about this to death, but seriously, uh, Zach loves going to him. He looks for 83. And 83, I mean, we've seen him slide, make catches in the end zone, just does a great thing. I mean, uh, and, and and then you got Nick Dembski and Ellingson coming back. Then you got Agado Agadoski, or what's his name? Ad 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 Carlton Agadosi, yeah, on the sixth game. We'll see. But he's a guy that, like you said, they they you can't pull. You only got one guy you can pull off, so you can't pull off right now unless he's a guy. But where is he going to fit? But you got to look at him coming back, saying, "Man, he was a huge target in that game. Two big touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's a target in the end zone that you know that uh, Zach just threw the ball high and he climbed the ladder and got it. So they have a, a plethora of talent. There's a word for you. Yes, yes, yes. I did go to school. I did teach school. So there you go, Let kids. Me let me look for my thesaurus. It's around here somewhere. Uh, Chris, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat returning to the lineup. Uh, just how important is that? Um, when, you know, this defense has seemingly been very, very good, especially the defensive line prior to that game in Calgary, they had not allowed a rushing touchdown. They go up against easily the best running back in the CFL. I don't care what the league leaders said. He's missed uh, a little bit of action, uh, leaving some games mid-game. Um, Kadeem Carey was a beast, uh, had 100 yards rushing against Winnipeg in Winnipeg, had 100 yards rushing um, in the game before that, had nearly 100 uh, in the most recent meeting between uh, Winnipeg and Calgary. Uh, he gets into the end zone twice to give Winnipeg's defense their first two rushing touchdowns allowed this yeah. season. But getting Jackson Jeffco back, they they now go big and bring in uh, Ricky Walker at defensive tackle, remove defensive ends LB Mack and Cedric Wilcots. Uh, so some switch up in the yeah. Blue Bombers defensive front. Well, and I, I think having Jackson back is, is a huge thing. I mean, I'm looking who he's going to go against. I mean, they got Nick Callender. Second-year guy out of Colorado State at one tackle, and you got Landon Rice, the Manitoba boy, who's played eight years, fourth year with Montreal. They're going to have their hands full. But they also signed uh, – Montreal just signed this week, um, Pilliver Lestage. This is yeah. a kid that tried out in the NFL, was on their practice roster a couple years, uh, and just got tired of waiting. He got released. He was tired of waiting, so he signed a two-year contract with Montreal now. They said he picked up the playbook so much that he that's why he's dressing this week. So – I would not be surprised. Listen, if you want to beat the Bombers, I think you got to take away the pressure on the outside. To me, maybe you run a double tight against these guys and stretch the ends out, right? right. Uh, maybe that's one of the things you do. Maybe you put Lestage in or Brown, David Brown, the other uh, backup lineman. But it'll be interesting to see the game plan they have that, uh, that Anthony Cavill was going to come up with to try and take advantage of our aggressiveness and our aggressive nature on the Bomber defense because we're always coming. Adam Big Hill's coming from somewhere. He's coming with the middle. We call we used to call it Mad Dog, Mad Dog Blitz. Or he's coming outside, um, you know. And then you got Rutledge who does the same thing. Malik Clements is really fitting well there. 
Um, man, Does it's just ever. the guys they put in there. I mean, those two guys at the diamond at the weak side have just played exceptional. Chris, did you notice that uh, the Blue Bombers at times against the Calgary Stampeders, and I've even seen it, um, you know, some other times this season where they'll have Willie Jefferson in at defensive end, and then they go with three defensive tackles, uh, like a Jake Thomas, Cam Lawson, um, you know, and, and Casey Sales. Uh, kind of a big jumbo package, generally on running downs, yeah. uh, but a little bit of creativity there from uh, Richie Hall's defense. Well, they're doing 3-4. It's a three-four. So what they do is line up three, you know, three tackles. They can use an end there if they want. Then and then Willie's like an outside linebacker. Yeah, and, and actually that's what I say. So you can drop Willie, play linebacker, put Willie everywhere he wants. But yeah, we used to do a lot of three-four. Actually, we our defense was predicated on a three-four defense back then. Mm -hmm. uh, great pressure uh, because you don't know where the linebackers are coming. For an offensive line, it was probably one of the toughest things to block. The tackles are okay, but a lot of times they'll line the outside guys. So now you got a slide protection all the time. And if you got a guy in a nose who's good, you got your guard and tackle sliding out to whatever right or left. There's a big gap there now, and that that nose tackle a lot of time takes advantage, and he can go and get some good pressure up the middle. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they play that. Then again, Richie Hall coming up with schemes that are just there's nothing standard about him. He makes it so tough, yeah, for the opposing team to study the defense because they got to show you every look in practice. They got to show you that look so you're prepared for it. Well, that, that's fascinating to get your perspective on that, Chris, because I sometimes see five defensive linemen. Yeah. So you're telling me that that five-man front is actually a 3-4 defense where the two defensive ends are like NFL-style outside yeah. linebackers. That can be, or you bring another linebacker in. So maybe you wow. bring in, maybe you bring, uh, you know, uh, Shane Goche, Les Morrow. Les Morrow got a sack, and that was on that very same thing. That's Les right. Morrow on the outside, got his first yeah. sack as a CFL player. First, and Tiadric Hansen on the field at the same time. So two globals on the yep. field for Winnipeg uh, and that's getting right. sacked. So that's uh, one. Of, that's a perfect point. example of that when they come from the outside and they play that. And he, the O-line has to be able to pick it up. And they didn't pick it up. They stayed solid. And mm -hmm. what I mean by solid is because they brought a linebacker on the guard so the guard couldn't slide. Because your, your whole philosophy as an O-line is block inside out. Protect the inside, push everything to the outside. Well, if you got everybody covered, the back or somebody is responsible for that outside guy. In that case, it was Les Morrow. That either means your slot back has got to come down and pick him up or the running back has to pick him up. They made, up, they made a mistake, cost him a sack. Uh, Chris, for those uh, who are listening to this on podcast, I will read this comment because I also know your thesaurus is wedged under uh, your short desk leg. But when you were a teacher, you were the only substitute teacher that could not only palm a basketball, he could palm a sixth grader, says T. Will in the live chat. Uh, watching uh, uh, live on YouTube. Um, good opportunity here to hear from Dalton Schoen uh, with it being a short week, a one practice week, uh, three straight road games will be concluded on Thursday night for the Blue Bombers and 10th straight game, including the preseason, yet to have their bye. I asked Dalton uh, how him and his teammates are doing. Uh, we're, we're doing all right. You know, it, it's definitely a grind. We know it. Um, I think coach said it well, you know, the schedule is what it is. We can't do anything about it. We can't complain about it. But at the same time, we have to be aware of it so that we, we know where we need to put in the extra work when it comes to getting our, get our bodies back, especially as receivers, you know, we got to get our legs back. We run a lot. Um, and then also in terms of the mental prep and how much extra work you have to put in and the, the tape you got to get watched and the game plan and stuff you got to study. 
being new to the CFL, what have you learned about, um, you know, some of these hard fought games, you know, you still got three games against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders that come, but you've already, you know, had two hard fought battles against the Stampeders. You know, I think the biggest thing I've learned is that pretty much every game is going to be hard fought. You know, we, we've had a lot of games come down to the wire. Those first couple of games in Ottawa or with Ottawa, those, those were tough. Those were hard fought, you know, came down to the, to fighting it out at the end. Um, and like you said, the Calgary games, I, I think, with the way the game's set up and especially how the last three minutes are, a lot can happen quickly there at the end. So you never know what's going to happen. Or, you know, we were up big in Toronto and then it ended up being a super close game. So I think the biggest thing I've learned is that every game's going to be hard fun. We kind of know that going into it. Last one for me, um, you know, Brady Oliveira talked about after the game, how he, proud he was to kind of show everybody out there that he's capable of, you know, uh, making big plays and making big catches and big blocks and, and the rest. How proud are the guys um, or the offense as a whole that you were able to get the run game going as effectively as you did? I think everyone's very proud of that. I think it's important as an offense to um, establish that that run game or win the, win the line of scrimmage per se, and, you know, just have a balanced attack. And I, I think we're, we're all confident. We know that we can do that. So it definitely feels good to go out there and do it. Very impressive young man is Dalton Schoen, of course, on the field, but off the field as well, Chris. Mature, uh, grounded, uh, and smart. Um, you really have to wonder, you think of Brandon Zilstra with Edmonton uh, a few years ago, had two outstanding seasons in the Canadian Football League, and then signed with the Minnesota Vikings uh, and, you know, has been in the NFL since. Uh, I really wonder if, if uh, a similar fate down the road is, uh, is, is that for Dalton Schoen. Well, I mean, that's a great question. And I mean, I don't, and they're not going to talk about it. You know, they're not going to talk about it because they don't want to, they're happy here. And a lot of, that's, that's another reason that they do such a good job, Kyle Walters and Wade Miller and those guys, because they create such a wonderful atmosphere here. The guys want to stay, but there is that, there is that draw for the money. I mean, obviously when you're talking about Dalton Schoen, I don't know if he signed a two year or a one year, probably a one year, which means he's free to go next year. Well, he'll have that NFL window regardless, right? You can sign a five-year contract and get that NFL window in December, January. So you're more aware of that than I am because, you know, but anyway, my biggest thing. Well, it's been changing every year. It used to be that you had to to have a two-year pro. So they try and keep continuity in your lineup. Right. And that's something I think that the players have fought against because they like the fact they have freedom to go somewhere else for maybe it's a little greener on the other side. But um, I I really think that – you know, I said this last week too that some of these guys like Dalton Schoen, uh, they're really, really upgrading. Oh, did I lose you again? Uh, that's my your thing. You know what? I well, you're gonna blame you're gonna blame me because I gave you a microphone. You spent all the money on a microphone and couldn't buy me a dang T-shirt. <laughs> well, it's because I got to buy two T-shirts and sew them together. I'm working oh, on it. I'm working on it. Sixty-three. I'm, I'm sweating in here today. Well, yeah, you got you got the guns out for sure. I had the toque oh, on earlier because the bombers are so ice cold oh, in the yeah. way they. Uh, nice the white, one. white one's nice too. I think it's just the light. This is the same gray one I okay, I had before. Right. Yeah, right, sorry. No, I. Uh... <laughs> man, oh man, you love your swag, don't you, Chris Welby? I like to get um, swag. I don't even. I have to look it up because I haven't got any for so long. Well, maybe I'll trade you for that that lucky hat. I can't imagine what uh, it oh, looks like. It, yeah. it probably has a good aroma to it uh, with it's a couple been, luckies being cracked. Uh, it's been here for a long time, man. I think it's, it's pink now. It used to be red, but it's pink. So that's <laughs> looks, all, that's all, that's can, all it is right now. 
Well, like you said earlier, you're a sensitive guy, so you can pull it off. Uh, I, I have no doubt about that. Uh, Chris, uh, as we always do, right around the one-hour mark, uh, tell us your keys to the game, how Winnipeg can move to 9-0 and uh, with a win on a short week in La Belle Provence. Okay, two things for me, and, it, and these are not offense, defense, special teams. Number one, stay healthy. Short week, you just heard Dalton Schoen talk about his legs. You know, they're tired. Sometimes when you're tired, accidents happen, you trip or you, you hurt yourself on a game. So I said, hey, listen, stay healthy, number one. And two, I love having a balanced attack. I thought it was great that they ran the ball 22 times uh, very effectively. I know they had the fly sweep, but I saw somebody posted that too uh, with Janarian Grant. Uh, obviously, Brady had a great game. Uh, you talk about Dakota Prukop just doing what he does. But anytime you can run that ball and you run it effectively, you're going to pull those linebackers up. And that's just going to open up the pass game with the, with the play action. So, or RPO, run pass option, whatever you guys want to call it. So those are my two. And defensively, I think it's, you know what, just get in Harris's face. He doesn't like to get rattled. I think, you know what, he's not the quickest guy. He's not a guy that's going to scramble and beat your, you know, downfield running. But he's got a great arm. And he's a tall quarterback. So get your arms up. Get some pressure on him. Make him hold the football. And uh, listen, guys, I'm right now, Bombers 9-0. and There you go. Bombers 9-0. and Yeah. Well, we are going to see five-and-a-half-point favorites are the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Montreal. Of course, you can go to SIA.com slash bonfire. Sign up there. Get a bonus uh, that will double you up. And then, uh, yeah, you can put a little something uh, if you want on the games this weekend, uh, SIA.com slash bonfire. Uh, Chris, I know you got to go and uh, make dinner for wifey. So we're going to let you go. I do want to encourage everybody, stick around. Uh, my conversation with Joey Alfieri of the Montreal Alouettes uh, coming up after we sign off with Chris. So don't leave us yet. Uh, still more to come here uh, on Game Day Winnipeg. But Chris, Another Thursday night game. I hope you have a great weekend after that. Uh, you'll be tuning in, as I know you always do, to Game Day After Dark and the post-game show here yep. uh, on Bonfire Sports. But uh, enjoy the lake and, uh, well, these August weekends that are slowly dwindling away. Amen, and enjoy. Guys, all the Bomber fans out there, get you know, watch the game. It's going to be a great game. I think Bombers will be 9-0. Watch some of the talent on this team because next year you never know what happens, man. So, uh, go blue. Love you guys. DB, you're all right, man, even though you don't give me nothing. God bless you, brother. One day you'll buy me a shirt. One day something. You've promised to come over here 48 times and set me up with something, but you haven't. You owe me a check. For Christ's sake, I'm going out. I, I can't take it anymore. It's emotional. I got to go. See you guys. You're, you're draining me mentally. <laughs> Take it easy, 6-3. Appreciate you, man. Chris Walby, the one and only on game day, Winnipeg. All right, you've been waiting for it. Uh, my conversation with one of my favorite people on the CFL landscape. We even talk a little bit about Pierre-Luc Dubois and the interest of the Montreal Canadiens on the Winnipeg Jets' top line center, maybe second line center, but uh, very intriguing conversation. Uh, we get through the Montreal Alouettes, his new job uh, with the organization, ownership, David Stern. Thank you to uh, Tyler Fabry for correcting me uh, on that. Um, and then we talk a little bit of uh, Winnipeg Jets, Montreal Canadiens, Pierre-Luc Dubois as well. So here's my conversation on game day Winnipeg with the one and only Joey Alfieri. Old pal Joey Alfieri now with the Montreal Alouettes joining us here on game day Winnipeg. Joey, good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well, DB. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Uh, it's it's great to have you uh, back on the Winnipeg Airwaves uh, as we used to do in our old TSN days. You now are with the Montreal Alouettes, a new gig for you this season. Tell uh, tell us a little bit about how things are going with the Owls. Yeah, things are great, man. I mean, this is uh, this is the team that I, I grew up dreaming to work for. This is the you know this is the team that I always wanted to be part of, uh, and uh, the opportunity presented itself in the month of February. So I made the leap. I uh, took uh, took a chance because you know I, I did really enjoy being in the, the mainstream media, but it, it's been really cool. So now I'm I'm in-house reporter. So uh, I go to every practice. I'm around the guys. Uh, you know we're doing interviews. We're writing articles. We're we're out there. Uh, we're you know I'm taking care of social media. I'm the social media manager as well. Uh, we create content uh, as a team. Uh, we do some. Uh, we started doing some TikTok as well this season. So. It's been really cool, man. To, to be part of the team's been really awesome, and, and I couldn't have asked for a better landing spot. It's been great. Yeah, well, hey, you, you got an opportunity now to utilize that uh, huge skill set you have, Joey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been enjoying uh, watching uh, the social media and all the work the L's have been doing from afar. Um, when it comes to the Alouettes themselves, though, Joey, it's, it's been a year of change. New ownership, um, a decision to move on from Kahari Jones and uh, Baron Miles in the coaching staff changes at quarterback um how are things right now uh with with two new individuals uh in charge of of the on-field football operations general manager danny machocha now the head coach and uh somebody montreal and us in the cfl very familiar with noel thorpe now the new defensive coordinator it's funny like if, if you like I'm, I'm watching the opinions from the outside, outside of the province of Quebec, because you know the changes that have been made. Everyone has an opinion on them, sure. uh, but for the most part, I would say in this province, the 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 people who watch the Alouettes week in, week out, who follow on the daily, it's been pretty positive here. Uh, but it's been funny to watch the the reaction out west. Um, it's just like I don't know. They, they, I feel like there's times where the team is portrayed like it's. It's chaos or it's chaotic, and it, it just isn't. Like, I, I mean, I, I've covered – I was on the outside looking in, but I covered chaos, you know, after – immediately after, <laughs> yeah. you know, Calvillo, Crompton, and that era, you know, it did get a bit chaotic. And here, I mean, the, the everything seems to be aligned. And people forget, it was a tough start to the year last year, too. Uh, the Oz came out of the gate 2-5. and five. They're 2-5 and five now. I, I like where this team is headed. I, I know that, you know, people are disappointed with the result, and, and I think – at two and five, you have to be disappointed because before the start of the season, I thought that this is a team that would compete for top spot in the East Division. And I still feel that way. I really like the way this team looks on paper. I like the individuals that are here. I like the people that are uh, steering the ship. I think all those people are, you know, they're on point. They know what's what when it comes to uh, CFL and what this market needs. And, you know, with all the with all the changes and all that being said, this is a team that's one game, one game out of first place right. uh, in the East. So you know that probably says more about the East uh, than it does about the Alouettes. But I think that you know just watching internally, it feels like this thing is going in the right direction. Even though you know the the, the typical diehard CFL fan out West might uh, might see other might see it otherwise in a different way. I, I like where this is headed. I think on paper this is a really good team. I think it's a team of veterans, and I think the group is going to put it all together. I really feel like it's close. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're approaching the midway point of the season. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, pretty much every team will have nine games in the books and, and nine still to go. And, and you mentioned uh, at two and five, uh, tied with Hamilton as of right now uh, for second place. And just two points out of first, we've seen 
uh, pretty much every team in the East look good at times and, and struggle at times. But but you're right. People in the West maybe a little bit spoiled with, uh, you know, the three main powers in the CFL right now here in Winnipeg, of course. Nathan Rourke, a really exciting player, uh, starting a resurgence with the BC Lions. And, of course, the Calgary Stampeders uh, having a, ba- a bounce-back year already. Two losses, but both coming to the Blue Bombers. Let's talk about quarterbacks uh, in Montreal. It started with Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, former head coach Kahari Jones decided to move to Trevor Harris. Now it looks like uh, VA is uh, is injured and uh, placed on the six-game injured list uh, this week. But Trevor Harris looks like it's his team uh, moving forward. Yeah, and, and for the most part, look, I think Trevor's done really well. I mean, he was a mm-hmm. top performer in the CFL two weeks ago, uh, and, you know, he's put up numbers. I, I Listen, the Hamilton defense was a stiff test. I think, you know, Trevor and, and the offense would tell you themselves that they, they struggled coming out of the gate, and then, but once they put it all together, I mean, you saw how good they were late in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter, and they nearly came back from a double-digit point deficit loss. So, you know, I, I've been preaching since the start of the year that this is a football team that was going to need uh, both quarterbacks. It just it felt that way. And, and you go back to last year, they rolled three different starting quarterbacks. So you kind of felt like they were going to need uh, both. And, oh, by the way, like Dominique Davis has is, is had a really great season in terms of, you know, short yardage and what he's done. He's yep. been automatic. He leads the CFL in touchdowns going into right. this week, just to give you an idea. So they have kind of needed – they've leaned on all three quarterbacks at, at different times for different things. Look, for right now, obviously with VA on the on the six-game injured list, it's unfortunate. Um, but uh, – and they're starting – you know, I think you saw in Ottawa, yeah, he fumbled, but they're starting to try to put that package together uh, for VA to get in. And you probably would have seen both had, had, had VA been healthy last week. But I think, you know, there's still time for, for Vernon to come back. Six games is not the end of the season. And Trevor has played really, really well for the most part here. So, listen, I, I don't put anything past uh, – anyone in this league just because of you know you, you know how it is with the short weeks the body gets beaten up you're yeah. gonna need to roll multiple quarterbacks I think that's just the reality of the CFL so would it shock me if you saw VA in there at some point it wouldn't shock me but you know I, I commend Trevor Harris because he came in was number two on the depth chart when he got here and I've learned a lot personally from watching Trevor Harris myself because he came in had the right attitude he's the yeah. first one in Last one out, all those cliches, they apply to him because they're true. I've seen it with my own eyes. All of a sudden, you get an opportunity to start, and I feel like he's done a really, really good job. So if it is Trevor Harris between now and the end of the season, I feel good about that if I'm a, if I'm a Montreal Alouettes fan. Yeah, you know what? I, I'll reiterate what you just said about Trevor Harris and my personal interactions with him as well as what I've heard about him uh, always does things the right way and, and is a great leader uh, inside locker rooms. Uh, Joey Alfieri, the Montreal Alouettes, joining us here on Game Day Winnipeg. Um, when it comes to some of those injuries, and I do want to talk about uh, you know the short week and, and facing the Blue Bombers in this home-and-home series on consecutive Thursdays uh, beginning this week, uh, Joey. How difficult has it been um, in Montreal, not just for the talent loss, but the leadership loss of uh, having William Stanback injured so, so very early this season? The league's leading rusher last year and uh, for anybody's dollar, uh, one of the best players in the league. Yeah, it's, I mean, people, people forget if you're not inside the market, people forget that, you know, the MOP candidate in the East last year got hurt in the first half of the first game of the season. Right. And this is an Alouettes football team that if you look at the last couple of years, this is a football team that likes to run the ball a lot. 
So thankfully, there's been some, you know, there's some depth. Jess Renantui's had some real good performances. He's a guy they drafted a few years ago in the sixth round, Canadian tailback, who's done real well. You know, he carved up Calgary for a 70-yard run in the first game of the season after Steinbach went out, had a 50-plus yard run uh, against Ottawa that set up a touchdown a couple weeks ago. So he's a guy who's produced real well. It's just, it's tough to fill in for a William Steinbach. I mean, Steinbach's a horse. Like, there's there's no way around it. He's a guy who you can literally put the team on his back. We've yeah. seen it. 2019 had a 203 rushing yard performance. He did the exact same thing in 2021. Like, he's he's a running back that can change the game. And there aren't really many of those left uh, in, in professional football. So that's a big loss. Another underrated loss is Greg Reed. You know, he's the senior member of that secondary. Right. That's been a big loss. Chris Aki coming off the six-game injured list this week is huge. He was hurt in the second week of the year, hasn't played in five games. So that's a big one as well. So they've lost key leaders on this football team, but I don't think anybody's using it as an excuse. You know, I think you look at Winnipeg, they've overcome injuries. You look at Calgary, they've overcome injuries as well. Every team had to overcome uh, some type of injury. So uh, I don't think it's an excuse, but it's a fair point that you bring up because it's not just standback, but standback's a big one. They've lost some key leaders in that locker room. Yeah, I was extremely impressed uh, in my conversation with William Stanback during Grey Cup week, as you mentioned, uh, the East Division MOP nominee uh, last season. I'll invite our uh, viewers out there right now. If you head over uh, to all of our videos in the channel, you can see my one-on-one -on -one conversation uh, with William Stanback following an outstanding 2021 season. And uh, everybody, all CFL fans, surely pulling for uh, William to uh, get back to health uh, as soon as he can. Uh, Joey, um, it is a short week for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They're coming off a very clean, very entertaining, but no doubt very um, uh, wearing game at McMahon uh, in a win over the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, and then they'll have seven days uh, and Montreal will come here to Winnipeg uh, for the back-to-back the -back before Winnipeg gets their first buy of the season. It, it's unbelievable. Many teams have already had two, um, I believe your, your club uh, included. So... Where, uh, how do you see these games shaking out? Do uh, are the Alouettes hoping to uh, see maybe Winnipeg ripe for the picking? Yeah, so the Owls actually have one. They, their second one's coming up uh, at the end of the month. Um, but okay. Toronto, for example, has, has had two. Uh, there's a couple other teams as well. But yeah, I think for the most part, uh, whenever the Owls have had that advantage in terms of you know playing a team on a short week, they've taken care of business this year. And that's why this matchup is kind of intriguing to me is that, listen, I'm not going to spin it any other way. The Bombers are the class of the league. They're, you'd be a fool to suggest otherwise. But this is a team that does have to travel. They did play an emotional game, a big-time game against Calgary, another power in the West. But I just, I think when I'm looking at short weeks, and yes, Montreal took care of Saskatchewan, Montreal took care of Ottawa, both those teams coming out short weeks. Winnipeg's just a different beast. So, you know, I, I think the Bombers have been there. They've done that. They know how to win. They know how to conserve energy. I know they had a walkthrough early on in the week uh, before. Uh, I think their first practice of the week was a walkthrough. So, like, they, they know, Mike O'Shea, the staff, they know how to manage their players. They know how to manage their bodies. And it's obviously a team that's very deep uh, at a lot of positions. So I don't know how much of a factor that's going to be. Uh, what I know is that the Alouettes are going to have to play that perfect or nearly perfect brand of football that they have played at times this year. They have where they don't take penalties and they move the ball effectively and the defense gets after the quarterback. They've done that. They put that on paper, but they're going to have to do it for 60 minutes if they're going to win the first of these two matchups. And the first one's big because you yeah. want to make sure that you don't go to Winnipeg 
coming off a loss to the Blue Bombers. Because And listen, Montreal played Winnipeg tough last year. It was a tie game going into the fourth quarter, uh, and then things kind of fell apart late in, uh, I believe that was a November game uh, in uh, in Winnipeg last year. So uh, I think Montreal can go toe-to-toe with Winnipeg. I think Montreal can go toe-to-toe with anybody. They've shown that this year. But it's all about putting it together for 60 minutes. And that's what they're going to have to prove to themselves. And there's no better opportunity to do that at home against a two-time defending Great Cup champs on Thursday night. Yeah, no, I tend to agree, Joey. I've been impressed uh, when Montreal's playing well, they they really can hang with uh, anybody in the CFL. And Blue Bomber fans know how difficult it is um, to go into Percival Molson Stadium in mm-hmm. Montreal. And, and Winnipeg's always been in tough uh, in that building. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake out Thursday night. Tell me about one of my favorite players in the whole league. And, and I'll admit I'm a little bit biased because I played a little wide receiver when, when I was a younger uh, a younger kid. Um, but Gino Lewis uh, is just such a talent. And, you know, I know Jake Wieneke led the CFL in, in receiving touchdowns last season. Uh, a very explosive offense uh, with William Stanback and, and the receiving game last season. Uh, but Gino just continues to amaze at... Um, with the way he's able to control his body, the hands, uh, the athleticism, the speed, um, what a treat he must be to watch up close. Yeah, I mean, it, it's brilliant. It, it's funny that you mentioned Gino because he was actually walking around uh, the office today and I had a chance to speak to him for a few minutes. I told him, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at the box score once the game's over in Hamilton and it's just, you know, it's ho-hum, five catches, 164 <laughs> yards. Right. And, and crunch time too. I mean, second and long, you, you know, you know where Trevor Harris is going to go and oftentimes the defenses can't stop it. Um, you know, there's been some big third down catches for him this year. I mean, he just, he, he comes through time and time again. And I think, yeah. you know, you saw it, you know, right before the pandemic, the 2019 season where he elevated his game big time, especially in that second half of the year. And, you know, even in the first half, you looked at it and you're like, okay, I see there's some star qualities here. Like this is a player who has the ability uh, to be an impact receiver uh, in the Canadian Football League for a long time. And he's just, he's put it all together. And to me, given the the size, the strength, he moves pretty well for a guy of his size. I mean, I really don't know how you stop him without, you know, without double teaming him, without having some safety help over the top. I don't know how you stop him uh, one-on-one. So uh, the, the games where, you know, and even in games a couple weeks ago in Ottawa, he, he, I think he had under 40 yards, but he had a, a catch on a two-point conversion and he had a touchdown, a huge touchdown reception. So, you know, even when you can limit the damage, he's still beating you to make big plays. So I'm glad you mentioned him. Uh, I feel like he, he deserves to get a little more love league-wide yeah. because here he's become a fan fra- favorite. And, you know, you're, you've already started seeing the number 87 jerseys pop up in the crowd quite a bit. So he's he's really been a trick to watch up close. And he's just a good dude. So I'm glad he's having a lot of success. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad to hear that. And uh, you're right. He does need a little bit more respect put on his name. What an unbelievable receiver, you know, clutch mm-hmm. uh, and, and just uh, consistent uh, in the way he's able to put up numbers. I do got to say... Uh, very cool to see him and and Herji Mayala uh, with Burna Boy on uh, some of your social media channels. Uh, Burna Boy, the African giant, uh, as yeah. he self refers to himself, uh, one of my favorite musical artists, uh, frankly, in the world right now. Um, but I'll advise people to, to maybe go check out that uh, meeting where uh, they they give him a little bit of a a gift from the Montreal Alouettes. Before I let you go, Joey, look look, 
I know he's your boss, but tell me about uh, the new ownership uh, in Montreal. Speaking of, of social media, not afraid to shoot from the hip is Gary Strick. <laughs> no, I love it. I mean, he's just such a good man. You know, it, it's really nice to, to have. Listen, it, it, I don't have to tell you guys. It was tough around here. You know, even if I didn't work for the team, it was tough around here when there's no owner. They're trying to build some positive momentum. The team had a good year in 2019. But there was still a lot of ways to go. And, and I think, you know, you look at Gary Stern and what he's been able to do in terms of, you know, not just financing the operation, but the people that he hired and put in place. Uh, the man definitely knows, you know, when he meets football people and, and executives that, that you know, have, that, that have a pulse for the city and for the football team, he recognized that. And I think you look at what he did uh, by bringing in the president, Mario Cicchini, you look at what he did by bringing in Danny Machocha as general manager. These are people that care about the football team. They care about the city. They know what the city needs when it comes to a Canadian Football League team. And so I think Gary Stern deserves a lot of credit for that, for, for finding the right people to put in place to, to run this thing. And then, you know, the social media stuff is, is fun. It's fun. I mean, I can't even tell you how many fans will come up to me at practice and say like, hey, I got Twitter because because uh, of the owner. That's why I signed nice. up to, to Twitter. And so, you know, that's all you can ask for from your owner. You want him to be passionate. You want him to be, you know, involved in the community. And even though, you know, he's he's not from Montreal and doesn't live in Montreal, uh, you know, I think I would tell you, I can tell you that, you know, the, the fans have, have developed a connection with him. So it's been really cool to watch that. It's been really cool to, to work for him. But uh, it's it's been really fun. It's been a really nice environment around here. And, and I think the people that he and the people that he hired uh, really make that all possible. Yeah, watching from afar, uh, it sure seems to me, Joey, is you know somebody who's watched uh, league-wide closely for over a decade now, I do believe the Montreal Alouettes are, are definitely headed uh, in the right direction. I, I have to ask you, Joey, because you, you're still writing hockey, I believe, for NBC. And, um, you know, you, you've been covering the Montreal Canadiens uh, as much as the Alouettes through uh, your uh, journalistic career. How bad do people in Montreal want Peter Luc Dubois? <laughs> yeah, for the record, I don't uh, I don't write NBC anymore. Um, okay. But it's all good. But, I mean, I, I follow closely. I'm in there uh, sure. day to day. I'm, I'm looking at it. I mean, he's, he's a great player. I think from the time he was drafted, that draft year, I remember – there was yeah. all kinds of buzz about Mark Bergeron wanting to move up uh, to snag Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, and they just, they in the end, they couldn't make it work. They couldn't move up ahead of uh, Columbus. And But he's a guy from then, from that time, and I've spoken to him multiple times, interviewed him a few times on the radio. He's a guy who's real involved in the community uh, yeah. in Montreal as well. I mean, he's just, he's everything that you want. I mean, growing up here, I think you and I are about the same age, and I can say, you know, being a diehard Canadians fan growing up, it was always like, where do you go get that big-bodied center that can produce offense? And I think right. when people see him, and they see a guy from here, a guy who has produced, a guy who's played at a real high level at the NHL, they start salivating. And you can obviously see why. I mean, he's, he's the total package. When he's on, he's on. He's been great. So the fact that he's from here uh, is just a bonus. And the fact that, listen, dude, I mean, clearly it looks like he wants to be here and he wants to play in Montreal. That hasn't always been the case, especially for some local guys. They, they want to shy away from it. And I certainly understand why they would, because that's a lot of pressure to, to be here. And everything you do is, is nitpicked. So, look, I, I think if the Canadians, if the Canadians can, can land Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think that's, you know, they obviously upgrade. It's huge. Um, I just think that it puts Winnipeg, unfortunately, in a difficult spot. 
because you know once you go public with the fact that you want to be somewhere else it, it kind of puts a damper on on what the team can possibly get for you so i don't know I, i'm curious to see if montreal winnipeg can make a deal work uh, but if not i think the canadians are probably comfortable just you know waiting out the two years before he's a ufa and then signing him then but you know i think montreal i think the canadians deserve a lot of credit because they're heading in the right direction clearly uh, i like what they've done this off season. i think there's still some rebuilding that needs to be done but you accelerate the process big time if you, you're able to land a guy like Luke Dubois without giving a, you know, a, a core asset in return because there's no way that they're giving up Suzuki, Caulfield, or anything like that. Right. Well, you know, that draft year was a fascinating one, and I think Pierre-Luc Dubois got overlooked as far as the, the media and fan chatter when you had Austin Matthews at one, yeah. Patrick Laine at two, and then Columbus uh, being an American team picking up uh, Dubois at number three. Uh, fascinating uh, turn of events as of late regarding uh, Dubois and uh, a touchy subject here in Winnipeg, but <laughs> very good to get your uh, insight uh, on that, Joey and Sharp, as always. But uh, looking forward to the game on Thursday should be a great home and home series between, um, in my opinion, Winnipeg Blue Bombers' biggest rival historically uh, between the East and the West. Uh, thanks for your time as always, my friend, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Well, it was great to catch up with Joey Alfieri a little bit earlier today and uh, nice to talk a little bit of hockey uh, with him as well. Just an outstanding uh, reporter and an outstanding person. Um, yeah, appreciate everybody for joining us here on Game Day Winnipeg and the pregame show Bombers Alouettes Thursday night in Montreal postgame live right here on Bonfire Sports Thursday after the game, maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes, uh, something like that after the final whistle, uh, we will break it all down. And then, of course, as we always do, Tuesday night, 7.30, live here on Bonfire. It's Bonfire Midweek with myself and Zach Schnitzer. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Live chat was lit up tonight uh, and uh, really looking forward to uh, the Blue Bombers game uh, in Montreal. Thanks again, everybody. We will see you next time here on Bonfire Sports.